This is Dr. Mubeen Sayed with one more episode of Long Story Short with Dr. Bean from the FLCCC platform. My apologies, I'm not showing my face today. I have an eye injury and it's not bad, but it looks <laughs> gross. So I'm going to keep my camera off. Let's start our discussion. So first of all, this is FLCCC or COVID19criticalcare.com. You see over here, treatment protocols, medical evidence, COVID resources, educational events and events, webinars, etc. You'll find my lectures, the long story shorts over here as well. Can you imagine that we have actually surpassed 60 of these installments or episodes? So with this, here is the study that I want to discuss today. This is the study, Generation of Potentially Inhibitory Autoantibodies to Adam TS13 in Coronavirus Disease 2019. So you might say that, hey, this is still time to talk about coronavirus. There is an important aspect here to consider. That aspect is that this pathology could be associated with long COVID or vaccine injury and or vaccine injury. And so this will become important to consider this pathology. And I'll give you the summary right now. And then we can look at the mechanisms and the details of the study. The summary is that these researchers found that the possibility of increased propensity for clotting in severe COVID could be because of the von Willebrand factor becoming overly expressive because it is not cleaved. Cleaved means broken down. It's not broken down correctly by another protein. Now, when von Willebrand factor becomes overly expressive, it actually promotes clotting. And so that is what they suspect. So for that, they did a study in which they found that critically ill or severely ill COVID patients had increased levels of von Willebrand factor and reduced level of the protein that breaks these factor down compared to other patients in ICU who did not have COVID. So that is a study. And I think this is a really important thing because in long COVID and vaccine injury patients, there also is a propensity for clotting. So maybe this is another mechanism that should be looked at. Now, for the conclusion of this study, the author said there are two benefits of what they have discovered. And they say this is the first time ever that this discovery has been demonstrated. Their point of view is that there are two benefits. One, there is a diagnostic benefit. And the second of this Adam TS13, and I'll explain what it is. And then secondly, they feel that if this could be the causative agent, then plasma exchange or other possibilities of containing this autoimmune behavior will be very interesting to do. So let's look at this study with my diagrams. So once again, this is the study. My picture here is small, so hopefully you won't see my eye and become too grossed out. <laughs> so let's start. Let's start our discussion. So Imagine that this whole area is inside a blood vessel and these cells here are the endothelial cells. That is the inner surface of the blood vessel. This is the musculature and subendothelial layers of the blood vessel. Subendothelial means below the endothelium. Now inside the blood vessel are of course blood components. 
there are red blood cells and white blood cells in the plasma and the fluids, the proteins, the electrolytes, nutritional substances, glucose, etc. They're all running around over here. What is interesting for me and for this discussion is to note that there are platelets that are roaming, that are swimming or running with this bloodstream. Usually platelet, if you see here, they look like little rounded plates and they, they are kind of smooth and they are just running. They don't make clumps there even if they are near each other. Platelets are made in our bone marrow by cells that are called megakaryocytes, so big cells. And those megakaryocytes are then pinched off, tiny pieces of them pinch off from them and these tiny pieces become platelets. Platelets do not have nuclei in them, just like RBC, red blood cells, do not have nuclei. Platelets have alpha granules in them or little pockets of their own currency, their own little pocket money. Those little pockets contain various kind of chemical substances that platelets use. One of those substances which is very important is von Willebrand factor. So that is about the platelet so far over here and that these platelets are here. The second one is the, if you see here, this little dragon <laughs> is actually the von Willebrand factor. This factor is also present in the plasma. It can also be present inside the endothelium. It is actually present in the endothelium. These little blue things that I've made, these are called Weibel-Plade bodies or Weibel-Plade bodies. And these contain this little dragon in them or von Willebrand factors in them. Then platelet, as I said, they also have VWF in them. And then the subendothelial layers or the connective tissue areas, they can also have von Willebrand factor in them. So von Willebrand factor is present. It's a factor. It's not an enzyme. It is a protein. It's actually a glycoprotein that is glucose and protein. It's a glycoprotein that is present in various areas, as I mentioned. Now, when an endothelial layer is breached, when it is broken, how is it broken? When a tissue is injured and it is also possible that endothelium becomes activated without injury to the tissue, that will be an intrinsic activation of inflammation. We know nowadays, let's say the spike protein from COVID can do that. There are many other substances that can irritate the endothelium. There can be viruses, there can be bacteria, there can be toxins that can irritate the endothelium. And as a result, endothelium will become inflamed and it would release these von Willebrand factors. Similarly, if the endothelium gets damaged, then the subendothelial area that becomes exposed now because the endothelial layer is broken, that area would have von Willebrand factor in there that would have collagen fibers in there and other subendothelial tissue factors. Similarly, if the platelets are present, they would have von Willebrand factor. So keep this in your mind as well. We're not going to talk about the von Willebrand factor a little more. So in your honor, I made this little diagram and there are a few things to see. Von Willebrand factor is a glycoprotein, usually rounded when it is circulating in the blood. But when it becomes active, it actually becomes an elongated structure. So imagine an uncurling of a rounded yarn ball into a long thread. Now, if you see here, I have these eight like figure eight like structures sitting on this little dragon. 
These are factor eight, clotting factor eight. One Willebrand factor contains on it clotting factor eight. We say that it stabilizes the clotting factor eight. If the clotting factor number eight separates from the von Willebrand factor, then within two hours it is decayed, it is removed, it degenerates. On the other hand, when it is present on the von Willebrand factor, then it can stay and stable for 8 to 10 hours. Von Willebrand factor, I believe itself, and don't quote me on it, I may be wrong, I believe it itself stays on for 10 to 16 hours. Now, so there are factor 8 on it, which are also part of the clotting system. Then if you see here, it has two hands here. It actually has many binding regions. I just made two of them. One of them in the form of a claw. Imagine that that binding region, that hand is to bind with platelets. The other binding region that looks like it can hold a cylindrical thing is the hand or receptor that can bind with collagen. Then if you see here, there is a little hook over here. This is another binding region of von Willebrand factor, which allows one von Willebrand molecule to attach to another von Willebrand molecule. That is like we, the human beings, we shake hands with each other and then hold hands and maybe make a human chain where one person holds the other person's hand and the other hand is held with the other person and that chain continues. This is why von Willebrand factor has this little hook here as well with this little receptacle for the hook. So another von Willebrand factor can come in and hook with this one and this is how they will make an aggregate. They will make a pile of von Willebrand factors which is called von Willebrand factor multimer. Multimer means many things. So this is one. What is the function here? We already know the presence in the endothelium, Webelplod bodies in alpha granules of platelets in subendothelial region and even swimming around in the plasma. That's the location. And what are the receptors that are important for us to consider? There are many more. One is that it can bind with collagen. Second is it can bind with platelets. And third is it can bind with other von Willebrand factors. Now, similarly, another contextual message. Platelets, on this side, if you see, these are inactive platelets. They are just simple platelets running around. They're not active. They're not clotting. They're not doing anything. They're just waiting to be activated. And they have receptors on them that are used to stimulate them and to activate. On the right side are activated platelets. When platelets are activated, let's say by von Willebrand factors or by other chemical substances present in the blood circulation where there is an injury, then the platelets become more spiky and more rough because their job now is to aggregate together and make a stable clot. And for that, the rougher their surface is, the better they would clot together and aggregate together or tangle with each other. So this is why their surface has now become rough. They are active, plus they have these little spike-like structures which allow them to bind with the other platelets and with other molecules. And of course, you know that we would then tie these platelets into fibrin ropes and make a stable clot. So this is the activated and inactivated platelets. Now what happens is, if we go back to this idea that when we have a 
an endothelial injury or blood vessel injury. So it could be just the endothelium without any breach of the blood vessel or there is a breach of the blood vessel because it's a crushing injury or a damaging injury or lesion of the tissue and the blood vessel is now opened. Whatever is the reason, what happens is that the von Willebrand factor becomes activated because of the exposure to the inflammatory mediators or the collagen that is exposed as a result of the crushing of the blood vessel. So if over here, this black thing is the collagen fiber that von Willebrand factor is now bound to. Now, when it becomes bound to it, von Willebrand factor becomes glued there and it becomes, it now acts as a glue for platelets to come and bind with it. So now on one end, it is holding on to the collagen. On the other end, it is now working with the platelets. And of course, because this is an area of injury, platelets are becoming active as well. So they also want to stay here and aggregate here. So now this whole process of a clot formation has started. Now I am repeating this again and again, that it is not necessary that the blood vessel has actually become injured in certain cases, for example, COVID, for example, spike-related injuries, for example, some viruses, bacteria, toxins can cause endothelial activation without an injury from outside inwards of the blood vessel. So the same mechanism would occur then as well. Now what happens is, if you see here first, this is now a pile of one Willebrand factors. So lots of one Willebrand factors are now connected with each other, as I said before. So if you see here, they are now binding with each other and they are making a von Willebrand factor multimer. And of course, they are capturing a lot of platelets in that area as well. However, our body is kind of always in this way of working. And that is whenever something is activated, there is going to be some other molecules that will also become active to regulate this activated molecule. So here we have one Willebrand factor activated and we are making a thrombus over here. We are making a clot over here. Our body feels that the clot should stay regulated. The size should only be where it is necessary and not more than that. Otherwise, we'll have severe problems. We'll have blood supply occlusion or reduction in supply, which would cause a lot of damage to the tissues. So we have, if you see here, another molecule called ADAMTS13. This molecule, ADAMTS13, you can call it Adam the scissors hands, is a cleaving molecule. Cleaving molecules are scissors. They are the molecules that can cleave other proteins. So the function of the ADAMTS13 is to cleave the multimers of von Willebrand factor into monomers. So it kind of separates them. It breaks them up by cutting them. So when it breaks up their huddle and it cuts the von Willebrand factor, then there are other proteases. Proteases will mean enzymes that can break proteins. There will be other proteases that would then take those tiny monomers and break them down as well and just resolve the clot. Now, this is an important thing to consider because we have been talking about fibrin and D-dimers throughout the three years of our discussions about COVID. This is the first time they are demonstrating that it may be also the clotting may also be because of a problem in this mechanism, platelet von Willebrand factor and ADAMTS13. So please keep this much in your mind. Now, what happens is if our body makes antibodies against ADAMTS13, 
that will be called anti-Adam antibodies, then this Adam the scissors hands will not be able to cut the von Willebrand factor. When it will not be able to cut the Willebrand factor, then what will happen is that as soon as there is endothelial inflammation or endothelial damage and the von Willebrand factors are aggregating, making multimers and the platelets are becoming aggregated and a thrombus is forming, that process will not stop because more and more von Willebrand factors will be arriving in the site or released from the local blood vessel endothelium or the platelets and the more and more bigger and bigger multimers will start forming. When those will form, they will trap more and more platelets with them and now we are in a vicious cycle of developing a big thrombus. If that breaks off, we would now have an embolism or embolus that would go and get stuck into a blood vessel. If it just continues to grow over here, it's going to eventually cause issues with the blood supply. This can cause serious issues, even up to death. It can cause strokes and heart attacks and so on. Depends how big is the thrombus and where and how fast and what is the tissue that got damaged. So what happened here? The atom is not present or is less in quantity. Why? Because, as I said before, our body somehow made antibodies against Adam TS13. Adam is neutralized. Adam is not present. And so Adam is not able to come into the area where thrombus is forming and try to resolve the thrombus or try to break the thrombus. So with this background, let's look at the study itself. In the study, what they did was the study had patients or individuals from November 2020, April to November 2020, total 156. They had 90 patients of mild to critical COVID. They had another 36 critically ill ICU-bound patients who did not have COVID. They acted as a control because they wanted to make sure that it may be that if the ADAM TS13 is reduced in COVID patients, maybe it is actually reduced in everyone who is in ICU. So they wanted to have other ICU-bound patients but who didn't have COVID. And then there were 30 healthy individuals because they also wanted to make sure that this is not something, the Adam's levels are not something that are just different from in each human being, just normally. And they're, you know, they're chasing the red herring. So what they found was, generally people who had COVID, they had lower Adam levels because there were anti-Adam antibodies present. And those who were severely ill, they actually have 55.9% of them had anti-ADAM antibodies. So this is an autoimmune attack on our own ADAM-TS13 glycoprotein because of the presence of the SARS-CoV-2. Now, what I do not know is, is this a mimicry because of the spike protein? If I suspect it would be, if it is that mimicry, then spike from the vaccine will do that too. If it is not a mimicry because of the spike protein pattern, but instead some other part of the virus, then it would just be virus and not the, the vaccine, other than maybe inactivated virus vaccine may do it. So that is a part that these authors did not address. And so I cannot say. However, those patients who are vaccine injured or long COVID and have clotting issues, this seems to be one important factor to keep in mind. So now anti-ADAM antibodies are present. 55.9% in healthy individuals, 6.7%. And this is a medically known fact 
that healthy asymptomatic individuals could have anti-Adam antibodies and these are not uh, harmful for them. However, when they increase and when we have the issue with the Van Willebrand factors, then we can develop thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura. And we know that vaccine injury along COVID, severe long COVID, could look like thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura. Actually, I remember that when the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine started rolling out, then there was a very first study come out from Germany that showed thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura-like side effects from the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. Okay, so back here. And then the other ICU-bound patients who were seriously ill, but not because of COVID, they also had 5.6% of them, the anti-Adam antibody. But now look at the difference, 5.6%, 6.7% versus almost 56%. And the p-value is 0.001, which is significant. So this is a statistically significant data point to say that it is possible that in severely ill patients, we have anti-ADAM antibodies that are knocking down the ADAMTS13 protein, which in turn is causing von Willebrand factor to run free and make big thrombi, which in turn then would cause clotting and thrombotic issues in the body. So from the study, they said, Generation of anti-ADM antibodies was associated with what? So when they saw these antibodies in the patients, they saw that increased disease severity was also associated with these higher levels of anti-ADM antibodies. And the severe or critical in 90% versus 62.3% and p-value is 0.01. Lower ADM TS13 activity why is the lower Adam TS13 activity? Because it is being attacked by the anti-Adam antibodies. Lower Adam TS13 activity was seen and that is also significant. There was a trend towards higher mortality, but that was not statistically significant. Look at the p-value, but still those who had the anti-Adam antibodies, 35.5% died and those who didn't 18.6%. So it's not statistically significant, but there was a trend towards higher mortality. So the association of anti-ADAM antibodies and reduced ADAM level, ADAM-TS13 levels, were associated with severe disease, were associated with less activity of the ADAM-TS13 molecule, and trend towards higher mortality. So here is the abstract. This is the same message that I just conveyed to you is present in the abstract as well. So this is the study. What is the takeaway of this? The takeaway is that it is important to measure anti-ADAM antibodies in the plasma of the people with severe COVID or people with COVID to make sure that you are checking if they will become severe. And secondly, I believe for long COVID and vaccine injury, this test should be done as well. The second thing is the clinical application of this concept is that plasma exchange, they think, they talk about it thoroughly. They said, if the plasma exchange is done, what that will do is it will, number one, bring in more ADAM TS13s. It will take away the von Willebrand factors and the thrombi that are forming, and it will take away the anti-ADAM antibodies. So it would help patient feel better May it be that it, that feeling better is temporary if these antibodies are produced, but
But somebody who's becoming severely ill, they may benefit from this. I would suspect that similarly, autoimmune disease management methods, interventions, will also help with long COVID and vaccine injury, even when anti-ADM, especially when anti-ADM antibodies are present. So this is the discussion. Thank you very much. And I'll see you next time.